Our text for this morning comes from Mark's Gospel. Uh, It is, uh, I think, a familiar scene. Today we remember uh, the baptism of Jesus, which I think is a uh, maybe one of the most profound pictures of grace in all of the New Testament. And as we begin the new year together, I think it does contain something powerful uh, for each of us to hear and to consider. So I invite you, with that in mind, to listen now for the word of the Lord from Mark's Gospel. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable. In your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Many years ago, the Wall Street Journal ran an article about another kind of voice. The article begins like this. The boss loves your work. Your spouse thinks you're sexy. The kids, and even the cat, shower you with affection. But then there's the voice, the nagging presence in your head that tells you you're a homely, heartless slacker. The article goes on to say that even people who appear supremely fit, highly successful, who are hyper-organized, are sometimes riddled with debilitating doubts, fears, and self-criticisms. Can you relate? Am I the only homely, heartless slacker up here? Are you familiar? with that voice. I think that this, va- this voice is particularly loud at the beginning of, the, of a new year as we think about resolutions. Uh, and even if we don't make any resolutions for ourselves, we wonder deep down, don't we, if the people we live with, the people that we work with, think that we should. Uh, in a Calvin and Hobbes comic from a few years back, the, the opening scene Uh, begins with Calvin telling Hobbes, I asked Dad if he wanted to see some New Year's resolutions I wrote. He said he'd be glad to, and he was pleased to see I was taking an interest in self-improvement. I told him the resolutions weren't for me. They were for him. Which is something my six-year-old would do. Don't get me wrong, I'm not opposed to resolutions. I do believe that they can provide uh, an opportunity for growth. But let's just Run a thought experiment. Let's say you do everything that you resolve to do this year. So December 31st, 2024, your abs are perfect. 
You've saved all the money that you thought you were going to save. You've kicked all of the bad habits that you promised to kick. How do you feel? How do you feel? Unfortunately, the the voice is not silenced by uh, keeping our resolutions because we're human beings. We never graduate from our humanity, and we can never resolve ourselves to perfection. There would only be new resolutions to keep next year. The Catholic devotional writer Henry Nouwen once wrote that the voice primarily repeats three lies. Three lies about who we are, about our identity. I am what I have. I am what I do. I am what others say or think about me. I am what I have. I am what I do. I am what others say or think about me. You think about the the nagging thoughts, the judgments that haunt you uh, as you try to fall asleep at night. Does that ring true for you? I know it does for me. The voice telling that, uh, us that we are what we have, for instance, is hard to silence. That's because uh, we live in the golden age of advertising, right? And good advertising uh, doesn't sell us a product. It sells, uh, sells us an improved version of ourselves. Right? Think about how much of the stuff that you've bought all relates to this idea because you wanted to be a, a certain kind of person or to be seen in a certain kind of way. Uh, Surely, I'm not the only person who does this. And if I am, don't judge me, okay? Um, I remember years ago when Abby and I moved to Princeton, New Jersey, so I could attend seminary. And I thought, I don't know why, I thought it was my chance to be a bike guy. Like, I was going to be a bike guy. And so naturally, I had to convince Abby to let me buy a very nice, very fancy uh, bike so I could fulfill my dream to be a bike guy. Well, we moved to Princeton, and it turned out I was a bus guy. Um... And that bike that I purchased just sat in the closet for many years, collecting dust. I mean, you can imagine how hard Abby's eyes rolled a few years ago when I told her I wanted to get into cycling. Um, I can't be the only one that does this. Or, Or consider this voice telling us, that we are what we do. It's equally loud. We live in in a busy and highly productive and achievement-oriented culture. The first question that we likely ask strangers or other people in social settings is, what do you do? And how do we respond? Well, for those of us who have a job, we tell them what our job is. For those of us who don't have a job, we feel like maybe we should have one to be able to say something to that question. I have had friends who, during years of unemployment, have avoided gatherings with people because they didn't want to answer that question. It doesn't have to do just with work, though. It's not just about work. We believe and we hear this voice whenever we're trying to do enough of anything in order to be enough, right? To reach whatever, uh, you know, fulfillment that we're trying to reach. If you you remember the movie Chariots of Fire, it's about Eric Liddell and his uh, quest to win a gold medal as a a runner. You might remember that, you know, he said uh, when, when asked... Uh, what he felt when he ran. He said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. He felt called to it, uh, a deep satisfaction and fulfillment to it. But do you remember the other guy, the guy he was racing against? His name was uh, Harold Abraham. And when, when he was asked what was motivating him to win the gold medal, he said this, when the gun goes off, I've got 10 seconds to justify my existence. That is a voice that is hard. To silence. When the gun goes off, I've got 10 seconds to justify my existence. And we all live with this. We all have a voice in, inside telling us to justify our existence in one way or another. But often, though, the voice just becomes the voices of those around us or those close to us. We, we live for their approval. And we die 
uh, by their criticism. Preachers don't know anything about this at all, so you are completely on your own uh, with this one. When the New Testament speaks of our identity, when it talks about who we are, what is most true about us, it primarily uses two words, in Christ, in Christ. As a result of the individualism of Western culture, we tend to speak of Christ in our lives or inviting Christ into our heart or to be a part of the life that we're living. But that's not primarily how the New Testament thought about our identity. It only mentions Christ in us six times across the entire New Testament. By contrast, this phrase, in Christ, is found 165 times throughout the pages of the New Testament. Well, what does this mean? To be in Christ means that Christ shares his identity with us. He gives it to us. So that what God says to Jesus as the Spirit descends upon him at his baptism applies to you and it applies to me as well. And therefore, you are not what you do. You are not what you have. You are not what others say or think about you. God says to you what he said to Jesus. You are my son. You are my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Notice that God says he is well pleased with Jesus even before his first miracle, his first sermon, his first healing. God says he is well pleased with Jesus long before he goes to the cross for the forgiveness of sins. Over the holiday, I rewatched uh, the latest film depiction of Frank Herbert's Dune. Have you seen it? If you haven't, it's very good. Uh, there's a scene in this film, uh, there's a conversation that occurs between Leto Atreides and his son Paul. Leto Atreides is, is a, uh, he's the, the duke of a very powerful house uh, that has you know, had lines of, of leaders throughout uh, its history. And he's talking to his son Paul about inheriting that leadership one day. And Paul is expressing his doubts about whether or not he wants to lead the family house. And Leto says to him, he says, a good man doesn't seek to lead. He's called to it. And he answers, which is an incredible line about leadership. But then he says something, I think, which is even more powerful after that. He looks at his son and he says, if your answer is no, you will still be the only thing I ever needed you to be, which is my son. And if your answer is no, you will still be the only thing I ever needed you to be, my son. And that is the kind of love that is on display here at the River Jordan. It's the same delight, it is the same love with which God loves you and God loves me. And if something in you recoils a little bit at that, if something in you makes you, makes you feel almost embarrassed by how overly sentimental that feels, um, that's a good thing, because that's what grace should make you feel like. And like Jesus, this grace is given to you long before you were able to do anything, to earn it, to perform for it, to deserve it. There's a profound baptism scene, and this is the last movie I'll quote today, I promise. Uh, In the movie, uh, The Peanut Butter Falcon, maybe you've seen it, Uh, Zach, who the movie is about, uh, is a young man with Down syndrome who has escaped uh, from a a uh, state-run care facility. Uh, And as he leaves that facility, he has in mind uh, one thing, and one thing only, which is to achieve his dream of becoming a pro wrestler. 
Um, and so he meets up with this other kid named Tyler, who is another young man who has kind of lost his way. And together, they journey toward a, a kind of defunct pro wrestling school in the boonies of North Carolina. Well, earlier in, in their journey, as they're scavenging materials together to build a boat uh, to make their way, they are shot at uh, by an elderly uh, blind man who happens to be a preacher. His name is Jasper. And he senses the young man's uh, desperation. He senses their need. And he uh, offers, and really, uh, he demands to baptize them. And as he baptizes Zach in, in the river, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, he says these things, th these words. Today is the first day of your life. Nothing can touch you now under the grace of the Lord. Accept his blessing. Let all the wolves of your past be laid to rest. It's not exactly the words that I say when I make the sign of a cross on someone's forehead, but it's pretty darn good, and it might be something I need to adopt. Under the grace of the Lord, accept his blessing. Your wolves are laid to rest. Put another way, now that you are in Christ, let all the other voices be silenced. It's probably an overstatement to say that today is the first day of your life. But it is the first days of this new year. What would it mean for you to accept his blessing this year? What would it mean for you to silence all the other voices in your head that compete for his love and for his mercy? Just like Jasper says, under the grace of God, nothing can touch you now. And that is a power that you literally cannot overestimate. As Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. My friends, may we all have ears to hear the voice from heaven, the one that tells us that we are beloved in this new year and always. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.